Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome, everyone, to episode 61 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico, and this will be the last podcast of the year. We'll be returning again on January 5th, which is also the day that I'll be on the Megan Kelly Today Show at 9 in the morning, recommending the top podcasts that you should be listening to for 2018, and uh, Highly Relevant is going to be one of them. Um, let me, uh, sort of break down what's been going on, uh, for the last couple of weeks. And the reason we're not going to be doing any more podcasts is just, it's too too much work. (laughs) I got family, uh, I got my own stuff that I just want to kind of wrap up before the end of the year, kind of just take off and unplug. Um, I know that probably a couple of other shows are going to be doing like recaps of all the podcasts that they've done year end shows, but listen, a lot of those podcasts are like major companies that have like a team of 30, 60 guys. This is just me. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to do all that. But, you know, you guys probably don't want that either because you've probably heard every single podcast that uh, that we've done and probably heard most of the interviews. So I'd like to give you something fresh uh, beginning next year. But, uh, yeah, I've been buying gifts for everyone. I'm sure you guys have done the same thing. Wife, buying gifts for my wife has been the hardest, um, especially because her birthday is like, two weeks later. So I have to try and compartmentalize buying gifts for her specifically for Christmas. And then I got to buy gifts for her for her birthday, which is in January, and then leave enough for Valentine's Day. So yeah, it's been uh, quite difficult, but I've got a bunch of awesome gifts. Um, Also catching up on last minute movies, and I'm not necessarily talking about the sort of Oscar films, what's going to be nominated for the Oscars or anything like that, because I've seen most of them already. I want to see sort of the cheesy films that I never got a chance to because it was just a waste of time. Now, hopefully over the uh, holidays, I'll have some time and kind of just get into some of those cheesy films. I saw one with my wife last night, Fifty Shades Darker. And I know what all you guys are going to say. It's like, why are you watching that? It's like, I rented it. You know, it's been, that franchise has been sort of very hyped up kind of wanted to kind of follow it through to see it to the end. And I got to tell you, very sexy film. I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, you know, what I did like was how the romance worked. I think I think Dakota Jackson uh, is the star of that franchise. I think she's excellent. She has this like witty, cynical, sarcastic humor that I love so much. Incredible sex scenes. Uh, those sex scenes were well shot. And for what it is, for that romance drama with a little bit of cheese, 
It's perfect. It's like a, some really good guilty pleasure comfort food. Uh, besides that, I'm heading out to Miami. Going to be hanging out with the fam. Uh, also worked on an NBCLatino.com article. It's a year-end review of Latino entertainment, which I'd love it if you can uh, get a chance to uh, read it over the next couple of days. Kind of see and recap everything that you might have missed throughout the year in terms of triumphs uh, for the our Latino culture. And uh, besides that, a lot of news has been coming out in the last couple of weeks that sort of have had a lot of staying power. One of those is Disney looks like it officially bought Fox for a lot of money. And what everybody's starting to talk about is what this means for Marvel movie fans. But for me is, what does this mean for Netflix users? There's a lot of us, there's about 100 million subscribers of Netflix throughout the world. So we all kind of now live with Netflix. That's sort of like our new TV. Obviously, Netflix doesn't have live TV. Hulu has live TV plus a library. But what Disney is trying to do with this Fox deal is create a brand new platform to compete with Netflix. It's going to be an OTT, but it's going to have the library of Disney and Fox. Okay, what does that mean? Disney owns Star Wars. Disney owns Pixar. Disney owns their own library of animation and amazing movies, some of the best movies in the world. And they also own the Indiana Jones brand. So just that alone is going to be just housed and archived into this new OTT, which means they're going to remove, oh, by the way, they also own Marvel, right? And they're going to remove all the Marvel content off of Netflix, like Daredevil, Punisher, and they're going to put it into this new platform that they have. And then they're also going to use all the Fox brands, right? Because it's only their movie stuff, which they have a lot of, but X-Men, is going to be sort of a key one to sort of integrate into that Marvel universe. So imagine they just start spinning off like Star Wars original shows, a spinoff on just Luke Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi or just a Darth Vader sort of origin story, right? Directed by, who knows, Andrew Stanton. I mean, this is the type of stuff that we're talking about, that they could take every single amazing movie or TV show or animated film and literally sort of extend or expand that particular storyline in so many ways through television and all that stuff would be original content on this new show. If they pull that off and somehow add ESPN and sports into that, how can that not be amazing? I might actually just have to cancel Netflix or just keep both. But it's going to definitely be a rival and a competitor to Netflix. So it'll be interesting to see what this Disney Fox deal ultimately sort of pans out to be. Um, Also, a couple of the new stories that have shocked me. Two stories in particular about CEOs that have stepped down. Eric Schmidt, CEO of Google Alphabet, is what they're calling it now. He stepped down. No word on that. John Skipper from ESPN left. He resigned. He stepped down. He's not a CEO, but... He was sort of like the, the, the linchpin that sort of was tying ESPN together on a creative level. And so he's out supposedly because of uh, drugs, some sort of addiction that he's had. Nothing was really explained. And then John Schnatter, 
You guys know who he is? He's the CEO of Papa John's Pizza. He also is out as CEO. No word on officially on why, but everybody's saying it's because of the negative NFL remarks he made. Um, who knows what happens, man? I mean, all this sexual harassment stories that have been going on, like John Lasseter over at Pixar, they're not being descriptive on why, except that we can all maybe assume that maybe all of these are tied together on sexual harassment. Again, none of this is official. I'm just going out here and giving my own personal assumption and opinion. Uh, and that they didn't want any of that stuff out because of families, et cetera, et cetera. You don't want it to be the Matt Lauer debacle. So then maybe they just said, look, why don't we just say this? And then I can just resign, step down, not say too much about it, and then off on my way. Give me a severance package or maybe not even. And they just sort of disappear into the ether. And none of us ask questions just because we have our hands full of Donald Trump. Yeah, but interesting that all this happened like within the last two weeks. It's insane. They're falling like flies. And then uh, Apple is facing multiple lawsuits. And check out over why. Supposedly, somebody put out a story, and I think they even admitted it themselves, that Apple has deliberately started slowing down the battery of iPhones through updates. We all kind of knew that that was happening because all of our phones, every time we either a new phone comes out with a new update, the old phones that we have, I still have an iPhone 6, start slowing down tremendously even if you remove a lot of the storage and kind of leave it halfway through, it still slows down. My phone's crashing all the time. Today I was talking and I couldn't even see the screen because it was black. Had to hang up the phone, restart the phone, reboot the phone. So it's like a little bit of a pain in the ass. But another piece of uh, news that I found quite interesting was the fact that Hamilton made its debut in London on the West End. How did the British people receive this American story? Well, looks like Limonuel went uh, there and on uh, probably opening night, right after the show, he addressed the crowd and basically made an announcement that he barely sort of tweaked the show. He might have tweaked the little things here and there, but not much. He says so far it's been a hit, a phenomenon, much like the way it was here, especially with the King of Britain segment where looks like the Brits gave standing ovations every time he came out. I mean, look, the 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 angle on this is very different from American to British and British to American, obviously. You know, there were the conquerors coming in here to own America and we stopped them. So it's interesting to see how they perceive that and it uh, looks like uh, they're loving it. But it's time now to talk to Vanessa Vasquez, who plays Camila Barrios on East Los High. If you don't know what that show is, it's an original series uh, done by Hulu. It's a U.S. Hispanic show that revolves around the lives of a bunch of group of teens navigating their final years at a fictional high school in East L.A. So think 90210 meets East L.A. high schools. Piece of advice, Camila? Don't quit your day job at the 99 cent store. <laughs> oh, hola. <laughs> you mean where your mom buys her maid supplies? Sucia? Oh. No. Where your mama buys her condoms. <gasps> oh, hell really? no. Yeah. Vanessa. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Yeah, well, you know, this is one of the rare podcasts. Uh, it's a U.S. Latino podcast, and it's not necessarily 
meant for Latin Americans in Latin America. It's meant for Latinos who are born and raised in the U.S. and have more of an American culture um, and who probably speak English first, Spanish second. And it's funny as... I'm telling you this. I'm. I feel like I'm describing Isla Isla <laughs> Layla's eye. I'm, I was gonna say. I feel like you're describing me right now. So. And you, right? So, so I mean, this is like a perfect conflation of these two worlds kind of colliding. Um, exactly. Yeah. You. What have your experiences been so far with the show? What kind of reaction and feedback have you gotten from Latinos? Is it consistent, or do you have different types of Latinos giving you different types of feedback no you know it's it's uh all kinds of latinos but more than more than anything it has been i want to say american latinos because you know people who have been pretty much raised here since they were kids and i want to say that because there's a lot of um undocumented people who have been living here who are americans as well you know who relate to being american just don't have the papers but you know when you're you grow up here as an latin american american latin which I like to say um, is um, they they they're all coming to the show and seeing themselves for the first time. Um, I've been talking about that today. How so many people resonated with the show, um, who felt like they saw themselves, their family members, their friends, you know, um, their cliques in schools. Like, yo, that was me growing up, or like that's still us. You know, this is how my friends and I kick it. So um, yeah, it's been such a cool experience because. It's so refreshing to see this side of our culture, this this side of our society um, that doesn't get uh, the light shown on us so much. Yeah. What is going on with that? I mean, Isla's High on Hulu is the show that every sponsor, every marketer, every programmer says that they want. And it's here, yet it's never seen the light of day on broadcast or cable. It stayed on Hulu and... You guys, to me, have been one of the landmark sort of uh, pioneer shows for the type of Latino programming that 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 major networks want. Why do you think right. that the show? Do you think the show came way too early and it wasn't appreciated enough for today's sort of marketplace? Or what happened with the show that it never really, uh, I guess, took off in scale and became that viral hit? for today's youth generation? Well, one thing to keep in mind is that um, dealing with cables and uh, huge networks who have already been in place is that they have a certain standard of certain amount of, uh, let's say, I want to say diversity that they have to include, right? There's the token Latino, the the token uh, black guy. You know, there hasn't ever really been a show that's fully Latin American. And I think that was one of the uh, risks that the producers were taking and showing, um, having a show with an all Latino American cast uh, that was being presented as general market, you know, as just um, right. Amer- American. Which is, which is Jane the Virgin. I mean, we, we have that show, right? Except it's not high school, but it's an all Latino cast it's meant for a mainstream audience, yet it, it maintains its Latino essence. And again, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm describing Isla's High. So why? Well, even with Jane the Virgin, you know, there's there's a lot of cast members who um, are Caucasian. And ours was strictly Latino American. Mm, and um, okay. it was it did come before Jane the Virgin. And so whenever the show came on, the producers wanted to take that risk um, just to 
sort of uh, infiltrate ourselves as, yes, the show is all Latin, you know, but just like the shows like Martin, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, you don't have to have the token this, the token that to make something um, acceptable. And I, and, I, and I actually, I appreciate the fact that they came on a little strong about it. You know, like, you know what, let's test this out. And it, it was, it's been a huge hit. It still is a hit. Um, unfortunately, because Hulu is still a network that's still growing um, and people are finding out about it. I think it will take maybe, maybe about a year or two until people will actually discover and say, oh my God, this right. show has been on Hulu. Like it's been out for a while. It's groundbreaking, but it's, you know, did that, this. And I think, yeah, like you said, it, it did maybe come in too soon, but the fact that it took a chance sort of created that, um, domino effect so that other uh, producers can, you know, take with with that the success of it and say, look, this show, uh, East Los High is doing amazing on Hulu. How, we got this other show and they can take the success of this show, what we've done, and then cre- be able to create more. Um, so build upon it, right? Um, yeah. How long has the show been on already? Uh, I want to say six years. And in those six yeah. years, um, could you kind of recap what the show's been about in these six years for for those that, that that don't know about the show yet and they're probably dying to look for Latino content. Yeah. No, the show um, is awesome. It's been, ever since the show started, it's been about, the, excuse me, the show's been about the life of teenagers growing up in East LA and what their life is like and things that they have to deal with, social issues, issues at home, um, the drama and you know, also there's a big dance element to it. There's hip hop, the 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 culture uh, that we grew up with. You know, it's just um, sort of like an R and B feel, hip hop feel, and um, it's cool, it's fun, it's sexy, it's Latinos, it's American, and we're speaking in English and Spanish, and um, it's um, it's been such a like it's been such a it's such a fun show. You know, you'll find everything from comedy to extreme drama that relates to social issues that other shows aren't even talking about like um abortion uh sexual assault abuse bullying it sounds um, like 90210 the latin version yeah it is only it's a little bit more hyped up though (laughs) once you you see it you're like oh my god it's a little edgier but that's you know that also goes back to hulu you know they gave us that platform to be able to uh take a risk um of course like they don't have the um they don't have the the restrictions like cable networks do in which they can't say or do certain things. Uh, they, they had a lot more freedom. And I think that's part of the huge reason why the producers left it at Hulu is because they were able to tell the, the truth, the real story of it, not have to, you know, cookie cut it um, in any certain way. I understand that Isla's High is uh, in its final season. Uh, the finale event is happening. Um, yeah. Tell me about what that's been like for you to say goodbye to the show now after six years with <laughs> friends and memories that have been attached to, I mean, six years ago, you were probably just starting in the business and this was probably your big break. Uh, yeah, what well, is what I, is that chapter like ending? Well, I came on in season two when they had uh, new storylines develop. Like they had the first season start off and, and then um, they didn't know the show was going to be such a huge hit. And they came back with season two and they had to start new storylines. But even then, when I was watching it season one, I had um, auditioned for a smaller role because I had just gotten to Hollywood. And I was just so excited because 
there were so many stories being told and right. I, I felt like the show could go on for many seasons and I saw it going for like 10, 12, 15 seasons. You know, I was like, oh my God, they can go on for a long time like a novella. <laughs> so funny. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, we grew up, we all knew that we we're joining and doing something amazing and special and it was going to be groundbreaking, incredible, a very pioneering show for um, our people, you know, our community, our culture. And so we all got close in that sense. Uh, and it was like on set, it was like a huge party. Um, so whenever the show was over, they said that we weren't going to have another season. I think I'm really, I've been, I'm still crying, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's been such a, the fans have been incredible. You know, I think the fan, the feeling that you get from the fans, you know, they're not just watching any other show. They're watching themselves for the first time. They're discovering their own identity through media. And it's such an incredible feeling that you get when you meet the fans like that. You could just see the happiness and joy beaming from their faces that, you know, they see uh, someone that relates to them and feels like they understand them. Um, you know, so, yeah. one of the cast members, uh, Gabriel Chavarria, um, uh -huh. ended up doing a movie about East L.A. called Lowriders. I'm right. not sure if you had yeah. a chance to see that, but then I ended up interviewing him for War for the Planet of the Apes. He had a lot of screen time at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and I was did. like, "What was what? What has it been like for you as a as a as a as a colleague and a peer to see you know one of these East Los High castmates?" make it to the top of the movie business in Hollywood uh, from your perch? You know, whenever I saw Gabe um, in Planet of the Apes, I I immediately texted him and I was messaging him and I was like, dude, you watching you be there like gives me hope that we can all be there. You know, and I think that the fact that, you know, when you see your peers and everybody that you're, you surround yourself with, you hang around with. And, you know, it's like they say, birds of a feather flock together. Right. Eventually, we're all going to be flocking there if we're not already there, some of us. You know, so I think um, just surrounding yourself with good people and knowing that the people around you are always supportive and we support him. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, we, we, we hang out all the time. And it's like it's been a, an incredible feeling because it just also gives you encouragement that all the work that we're all feeding into each other, into the show is definitely creating a platform for all of us to bounce off and do more amazing things. Now, um, I want to talk to talk to you about your own personal career. Um, I'm sure you've been going out to a lot of casting auditions. Mm -hmm. What are the kind of roles that you're being asked to do and how do you see the bigger scale scope of Hollywood? It, are you getting a lot of uh, roles for Latinas are you getting roles where you're you happen to be a Latina by nature, but the role is maybe ambiguous in terms of race or ethnicity? Um, I'm getting actually a lot of a lot of types of roles. Um, uh, one thing that when I did come off the show, the very in the very beginning of the summer, I was auditioning for a lot of other lead characters and other TV shows, and I began to cry because almost every single one of those lead roles required nudity and wow it was, and it's not that i have a problem with them i think it'd be great but for the fan base that i've created with east los and the amount of girls young girls that follow me um and with latinas being statistically the most nude on in media is that um, true 
Yes, that's absolutely true. You can Google it, and we are the ones who always pre uh, sh uh, shown presented as sexy, or uh, we take off our, our clothes the most. Um, and to feed into that statistics, like it, and but you also want the job, you want the story, you want to tell the story. It's oh my god, it's so hard, you know, to make that decision. And I, I'd hate to know, think that that's a stereotype of let's say white American casting directors or producers or or just directors, period, who stereotype the Latina as the sexually beautiful objectification of their fantasies. And yeah, let's get her in so we can see her naked. I'd hate to think that that's it. But is this something you frown upon or is this um, an opportunity? No, it's, it's, well, no, there's it's just part of it, you know, and I, but I feel like as this the rest of the year continued, you know, I started seeing more and more roles pop up. And I, I had to be very vocal about uh about it and i told my agent my manager and i said look yes i am a latina but i'm also an american i can play any other role like a lawyer or a doctor or anything else um just like anyone anybody uh of any color so i think be having that awareness and using it to your your benefit to be able to speak up against some of the stereotypes that are out there um, really just, you sort of have to push the, the envelope yourself, you know, and say, Hey, I can do this. You know, I, I do deserve this and I do deserve to be here. We deserve to be here and taking these roles and also being a part of society as just, um, as anyone else. Uh, but also with that, I learned from Edward James Olmos and, um, a few other actors when I first got here that if we want to help push that envelope in which we are more Latinos in lead in lead roles, um, we definitely have to take on the part as producers and storytellers ourselves. So that's something that I've been doing in the past uh, six months. And uh, maybe I, I can talk about this a little bit. I'm actually working with Lionsgate right now and developing a TV show. So nice. and with that, yeah, and and because of Eastlos, it's given me that platform um, to have that experience as a lead actress also as producing um and to go to other networks and uh, with other producers and create more stuff and say look i've learned this from Eastlos. i got all this now i want to develop the story you know and people do pay attention because um you know we have the experience now so i definitely encourage anyone who's out there uh, who wants to tell their stories who isn't seeing themselves or isn't seeing the stories that they want to um see and be told to definitely go for it, you know, write, write your stories, produce as much as you can get together, grab the camera. You know, we're all, we live in the age of create, social media. Where you can create and put a movie on YouTube and it can get 3 million views. And, you know, next, you know, you're getting an offers to make a movie about it. Right. Um, so I'm a huge advocate for creating your own content um, and really pushing and, uh, and telling the story creating the stories that uh, you want to tell. It's just do it. Just do it. Just it's do it. Just go <laughs> just ahead and do it and stop talking about it so much and just yeah, do it. Like, and I, and honestly, I, I can't, I can't thank Eastlos and Hulu enough for giving us that opportunity to just do it. You know, I think the network, the producers, they just did it. They saw a vision and they were like, we're going to go for it. And it was success. And, and I think it's going to be a continuing success for a long time. And, and, and that's going to, that's given us the platform to do the same thing and the energy and the inspiration more than anything. The Golden Globe nominations just came out uh, on Monday. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't think one Hispanic was nominated in terms of acting or 
or um, outside of Guillermo del Toro and director, but the actors, there are no Hispanic actors in film. That's what I'm saying, Rico. We got to get out there. Right. And so, and so, and so, but, but, but the gap is vicious. It's not like, oh, see, African-Americans can say, well, we got two in there. You know, it's not seven or anything like that. They can count people that are always involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that women, uh, white American women like Patty Jenkins, you know, even African American women like Dee Reese, uh, they're involved in the mix. They're 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 the talk of the town right now, uh, and they're diverse and it's inclusive. Great, but the Latino story. Once you tell it from the Latino perspective, you start losing. All the actors, all those subject matters that are important uh, for our Latino storytelling. For example, Coco, great. I love Coco. Three weeks in a row, Latino story, Mexican, but they're animated characters. Right. And even though they're being voiced by real actors, we're not seeing them on screen. So ultimately, are we struggling right now or is are we fooling ourselves, telling us ourselves that everything is good or is this a real problem? And if this is a real problem, what is the root of it? I can say that, yes, it's a, I don't want to say it's a problem because. Um, I mean, you're in the hustle. You, you should have a front row seat to what's going on. You know what the problem is? The problem is that there isn't enough people saying, yes, we can do this as well. I think the industry has been dominated so much by uh, a certain type of culture, right? But. Now with so many platforms and so many networks out there, uh, being able to uh, tell these stories, uh, like even Sofia Vergara, you know, she's just uh, uh, joined up to do Race TV, who wants to put more Latino American content out there streaming. Um, every, I think there there's not enough people saying, yes, we can do this in the entertainment field as well. Um, and so I think once we get people and start offering more scholarships, you know, encouraging our youth that the arts is an amazing thing and just tell our stories. We need more storytellers out there. Uh, Edward James almost uh, with the Latino International Film Festival has a great program that he does with the youth and encouraging screenwriting and storytelling um, and they're huge advocates for getting uh, young Latinos started early and and um, encouraging them to be creative and put uh, little movies together. Uh, so I think it's just where we are at, you know, and uh, it's important to know that uh, there is a need, there is a demand, and um, we this is important for us to say, yes, we can do it and we will do it, um, and it is happening. It may, it, we may not see it yet, but I think within, um, within the last few years, I've been seeing more and more Latino shows pop up, more and more roles asking for Latinos that I don't think I ever really saw ever before. Right. Um, so I think we are heading there. Um, it's just a matter of also, you know, good storytelling. You know, we have to make sure that we're, we're, we're telling the stories right. I see a lot of friends who are, who do put things together but then they're not successful in it because uh, they cut corners here and there. Oh, we don't need this. Oh, we don't need that. But the thing is is that we do need it. And you can't be afraid to ask them for the money because in having the money to do certain things and create quality content, then you can able to have a successful. uh, That's the key quality. Yeah. A successful product to continue going and to feed back to your investors. It is my producer hat going on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But 
you know what I mean? It's like we can't be afraid. To, I've been going to a lot of uh, uh, women's conventions, too, for Latinas in which um, Latinas are leading in entrepreneurship right now. And one of the things that they tell us is that we, you can't be afraid to ask for money. We're so timid as people to ask for it. But knowing the more that we ask, the more the quality product we can create and the more we can return investment and continue to do what we love to do. I think the takeaway from this whole interview that we just did is just do it. Just do Seriously, it. <laughs> just ask for the money. Just create yeah. your own show. Just yeah, do it. And, yeah. and very much like the stories that we're telling on East Coast High, um, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, how you were born. If you have a will to succeed, a vision, a dream, go for it. Believe in yourself more than anything and know that somehow, some way it's going to be possible. And that vision that you have will come true. Hey, so, Vanessa, listen, it, 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 everything you're saying is inspiring. Please come back when you have your next project. Would love to continue yes, to talk you. to you. Awesome. Thank you. You're amazing. All right. Vanessa Vasquez, Eastless High finale event. You can watch it on Hulu. Thank you, Vanessa. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks, Jack. That's it for episode 61 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. Thank you, Vanessa Vasquez, for being on the program. Uh, and thank all of you that have been tuning in from day one until now and uh giving us your time and uh your support for this podcast i'm telling you it's hard to do these podcasts hard to find the time to do it but i try to give my blood sweat and tears to make you guys happy with what you listen to um our mission has always been to connect the u.s hispanic uh, culture the pop culture aspect and connect it to the mainstream and see how that collaboration is born, how that collaboration happens, what makes it tick, what makes it spark. And um, I think we've captured sort of a great snapshot of the year and we want to do it again for next year. It all depends on you guys. Hopefully we'll continue to have your support. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And if I don't talk to you then, happy 2018. I hope it kicks ass and let's keep this up. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am Jack Rico. Goodbye. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.